good afternoon, and welcome to your Dosair Deep Dive Podcast, a wellness and professional spotlight series. My name is Dr. Alicia Rauji, and I am a naturopathic doctor here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Today, I have the pleasure of meeting and speaking to Susan Tran. Susan graduated in 2019 with a master's degree in counseling psychology from Athabasca University. She is now a registered professional psychologist, seeing clients in private practice while studying for her big upcoming board exam. Hi, Susan. How's it going? I'm good. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah, so it's really great to have you on. Um, It's really nice to meet you. I know we haven't actually properly met, and a lot of that is due to kind of everything going on with COVID and with kind of quarantining and things like that. So it's nice to connect, and I'm really glad that um, we're able to do this. Yeah, I know we were just chatting a little bit before we started recording here just to uh, get to know you a little bit and get to know um, just how you're doing. So I just wanted to start by asking you, uh, what are some ways that you've kind of been helping your clients and working with them right now? Yeah, for sure. Um, so a lot of my clients are currently presenting with anxiety about something, uh, whether it's COVID related right now during the pandemic or relationships or work, school, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's one of the focuses uh, of my work as a psychologist. Um, and so there are different theories about anxiety mm-hmm. um, and what happens and how to treat it. Uh, so I personally really subscribe to the CBT model. CBT okay. stands for cognitive behavior therapy okay. um, of ang- uh, model of anxiety. And it basically looks at how our cognitions, AKA our thoughts right. uh, and belief processes impact our feelings and behaviors. Um, and so these might include things like cognitive distortions is, is, mm-hmm. is the word that we use. And so it's, it refers to things like black and white thinking, catastrophizing, things like that, um, or irrational beliefs. And so the idea is to identify some of those um, maladaptive thoughts with more adaptive ones that can help, you know, mobilize us in these situations um, and lead to, to healthier functioning. And so um, I use a lot of specific techniques under the CBT um, framework. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite techniques right now um, to use with clients and that they have really uh, enjoyed and found really useful is like a guided imagery right. um, yeah. or visualization technique. Okay. And so um, that can involve, you know, um, using your imagination, basically, which is something the majority of us can do. Right. Um, <laughs> And go to like, I'll let them choose where they want to go. They might want to go to the beach. Mm -hmm. They can go to like a private garden or like a forest or like a peaceful meadow. Mm -hmm. And I'll guide them through um, the the process. And um, it doesn't take that long. It takes about like less than 10 minutes, depending on the script. Um, But usually clients come out of that feeling really relaxed and calm um, and rating their anxiety from being, if it was like a 10 out of 10 coming into session, it'd be like a two out of 10 right. coming out of it. So okay. it's really effective. That's cool. And I can only imagine that that's a tool that, you know, maybe after a session with you, they could probably take with them as, as something to use at, you know, outside of, um, working with you too. Absolutely. And so, um, right now it's so great living in the age of internet because (laughs) there's so much access to like free things, especially like on YouTube, right? There's tons of guided imagery, um, scripts on there. And so you can listen to it, um, you know, before you go to bed or as you're, you're doing the 
the visualization yourself. So I always recommend um, certain certain ones to clients. Okay, no, that's really helpful and something that um, I've definitely tried and know that that you know getting kind of gets you out of your head and into a moment that's more peaceful to you, right? And that can look different to anyone, like you said, a beach or to someone else. It could be um, just whatever brings them to a peace, peaceful, calm, calming place, right? No, that's, that's a really great tool. And, you know, you kind of touched on this, telling me a little bit more about, you know, the treatment that you use and you talked about CBT and, and things like that. So maybe you can just go into a little bit more about, you know, what exactly is a psychologist and what, what can clients expect with working with you? For sure. Yeah. So um, a psychologist is quite a broad term and it broadly refers to a professional who studies normal and abnormal human behavior. That's mm. sort of like the general um, like definition you know. type. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so there's a huge range within psychology that, um, you know, different psychologists are trained in. So some might focus more on research and academia, mm. right. while others might, like myself, focus more on like the practice. Okay. Um, and so, and some do a bit of both, right? Like clinical psychologists, they might do, you know, certain percentage are dedicated to like research and then the other percent is like dedicated to treatment, assessment, diagnosis, um, working okay. with clients directly. Right. And so um, within uh, psychology, there are separate branches. And okay. so this can include like neuropsych. So that's more involved in uh, studying the brain and behavior. Okay. There's health psych, there's forensic psych. So that, oh, that's wow. a bit more like court related stuff. Yep. And then counseling psych, which is the branch that I'm in. Okay. Um, and it includes activities such as um, assessments and interventions. Mm, okay. So your side mm-hmm. of it is working obviously directly with the client or a patient and, um, yep. you know, working directly one-on-one with them based on maybe an issue that they're having or um, a condition perhaps that they're dealing with. And so speaking on that, um, are there times that you're going to have to maybe refer out to other people and vice versa? How, how would you find that, um, that process? How does that, that usually look? Yeah. So, um, there's different competency areas, um, within our training. And so, um, you know, there's some, like for now I'm considered like generalist. And so I kind of work on a little bit of every different types of issues, Mm -hmm. um, like counseling related issues. Um, however, if they, you know, if, if maybe they need like potentially like an assessment, um, you know, for something like, um, like a psych ed assessment for like, uh, like ADHD or like autism or something else that might be going on, like I would refer them out to someone who is more specialized in doing um, assessments. Okay. I do a general assessments. So I would use, um, you know, just generic screeners and things like that for like anxiety and depression. And that helps inform my work with the client. And we can use it to check in regarding progress in therapy as well. Um, and so, so, and so, yeah. Uh, and then, sorry, I, I just realized that I didn't answer the second part of your other question regarding um, what clients can expect from working with me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so if it's okay, I'm just going to like jump back to Please. that. Please, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I do I do like to talk about this because um, that's basically, you know, the, the hallmark of my profession um, in counseling psychology. But when working with me, um, clients can expect an active, curious, and compassionate therapist. Okay. Um, and so I take the position that my clients are the expert in their own lives and therefore I curiously uh, try to seek to fully understand them and their contacts um, by actively listening and like drawing on different themes and patterns 
um, that come up that might be keeping them from feeling or keeping them feeling lost or stuck in some ways. Um, And so the reason why I say active therapist is because I kind of um, contrast it to when I first started out in my practicum and first started, you know, seeing clients, um, you know, I would have considered myself to be quite a passive therapist. I see. (laughs) You know, I, I was good at doing the listening part, like just kind of, you know, being there, obviously helping them process their emotions with yes. certain you know, different events and things like that. And just kind of being there to support yeah, them in like that holding way. Holding the space for them, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, as I kind of got gained more experience, um, you know, in practicing um, and in and, and working with different types of clients, um, I found that, you know, that that works in some ways, like obviously for processing and, and yes. holding that space, like you said, for them. However, you know, it, it, sometimes it, it gets to a point where it's like, hey, you, like, you got to be doing something actively, right? Okay. And some, and clients are looking for that from us as well, right? You know, maybe needing someone to interrupt that pattern okay. of thinking that's leading them to, you know, behaving in certain ways that aren't really helpful oh, or fulfilling yeah. them in their goals. Yeah, and sometimes they, they don't even maybe notice. And it sounds like when you were talking about CBT, and I think you mentioned cognitive distortions and things like yep. that, right? You know, people yep. don't, people don't necessarily know that they're doing it until you say it out loud to someone who's trained like you. And you can take a step back. And you know, you're doing two things, you're showing that compassion, and you're holding that space. But you're also able to give them that feedback that they're never going to see um, to break those unhelpful patterns that they might not even have noticed were unhelpful. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why like the therapeutic relationship and building a good alliance and rapport with the client is super important, mm-hmm. more actually more so important, um, more important than the, the therapeutic techniques that we use. And there's research supporting that mm-hmm. the therapeutic relationship is one of the most key ingredients mm-hmm. in um, facilitating change um, oh, for, for clients. Sure. And so you know, one of my responsibilities, obviously, is to create a safe environment for the clients to be able to share openly, um, you know, with me. And so I, I really do um, hold that therapeutic relationship to a high regard. Okay, no, I can definitely see that. And I can see how important that is. And, you know, being in a healthcare field, having that trust in someone, especially to trust in someone when you're going to, you know, you're, you're seeing a psychologist, sometimes people feel um, hesitant, but getting to know you and getting to know your relationship and holding that space and having that trust can um, work wonders. And like you said, it's probably the most important factor. I can I can totally see that. So yeah, thank you for giving me such a good overview. That's super helpful. And, you know, another added benefit to doing this kind of work or doing this podcast series is that for me, I get to get to know you in the sense too, right? Which is which is awesome. So why don't you tell me a little bit about your journey and why you chose to do this and how you got to this point? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for this question. I get this question a lot. And <laughs> it's funny because I, I feel like I answer it differently in, in different, um, you know, to, to different people. And so I think, you know, probably if somebody if somebody's heard me answer this question in another context, I would have said something different than right now. Okay. But basically, I've always been... Um, very fascinated um, about, you know, why we do the things that we do, um, human behavior, things like that. 
Um, and I'm sure that a lot of it has to do with, you know, growing up in uh, complex, you know, family relational dynamics, right, you yeah. know, being from different culture, right? So yes. like I'm Vietnamese and Chinese, okay. but Canadian born. Um, and so, um, but like my parents and my family had retained a lot of our traditional values. And so, um, yeah, just always been curious about just human behavior um, in general. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I took my first psychology class in high school as an option. Yeah. And I was kind of, I was sold since then. Nice. I, was, I actually was looking forward to going to that class. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what better indication class. of, you know, finding a passion than from um, an option class that ended up turning into a career choice, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I've just always been kind of passionate about, um, you know, uh, human behavior, um, relationship dynamics, and especially anxiety related disorders, because personally, mm-hmm. I have dealt with and dealing with and currently managing anxiety and grew up with OCD I see. Um, and got treatment for that. And so I like it's interesting, because it's like, I know firsthand how it feels. And therefore, I'm passionate to like Absolutely. find out like, ways and solution and, and strategies on how to manage it appropriately. And then like for me, I, I want to share that knowledge yeah. um, to my clients and others who are struggling with the same thing. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, that helps anyone who's listening just to know that you have been there and you have done the work and you are continuing to do the work. So you kind of have, um, you know, personal knowledge of, of going through it, dealing with it, managing it. But on top of that, you have the clinical skills and you have the education to back that up. You know, I mentioned that there's the educational stream and that clinical knowledge. What did you have to take, you know, educationally to, to become a psychologist? I like this question because I can speak to the long journey that it's been <laughs> yeah. to kind of get where I am and I'm still not done yet. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, um, so uh, basically five years of undergrad um, degree stuff. It was a four year degree. So it's been a long journey uh, education wise to get where I am and I'm still not done yet. Um, But uh, basically started out with, you know, completing high school and then uh, a four year turned five year undergraduate degree because I did decide to do an honors thesis for my last year in my undergrad. Um, My research, uh, I did my research at the cancer center at the Tom Baker center on, um, prostate cancer treatment, um, ADT, and I was able to publish three papers um, in a peer-reviewed journals um, from my time doing research in my undergrad. And so that was a really cool experience. Um, I took four years off after that to kind of work, make some money, pay off my student debt. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that was cool as well because, you know, got to get some experience out in the real world, which yeah. I'm sure has helped me you know, um, as, as a clinician now, and then decided to go back and do my master's, um, uh, in 2016, I believe, um, and close a three-year master program at at the Baxter University. Yeah. And so I just graduated my master's last year. Um, and so I am pretty early in my, um, in my, uh, provisional journey right now. So um, I am currently a provisional psychologist, which is just a, just a fancy word for I'm a psychologist in training. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm being supervised by a fully registered psychologist. And so once I finish my hours and pass my board exam, yeah. then I become and pass my ethics exam, then I become a registered provisional. Right. All that fun <laughs> stuff with board exams. Yeah. Don't have to tell me more about that for sure. <laughs> um, that is cool. I'm going to have to 
pick your brain about that later, about all that work you did at the Tom Baker Cancer Center. So sure. I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit more about, because um, you mentioned anxiety and you talked a little bit about your personal journey and absolutely helpful just to get to those cognitive distortions and finding ways around that. And also, um, you know, that's helped me help my patients too, to kind of, I can definitely see and hear things and give them that feedback. But, you know, in my scope, it's obviously a little bit more limited at how much I can take the CBT route. So I do often refer to, you know, psychologists and, and things like that. So yeah, um, I would say anxiety issues, whether they're disorders or just someone experiencing extreme anxiety, I'm always trying to find strategies to help. And I know anyone who's listening is probably wanting to know what strategies they can take with them to help with anxiety. So is there any of anything you'd like to share on, on that? Uh, yeah, for sure. So I guess two of my favorite strategies that I like to share with clients, and they're really kind of quick, easy, on-the-spot um, strategies. You know, obviously there's some where, you know, if you do it regularly every day consistently, then you get to a point where you're you're more relaxed in general, right? Mm-hmm. And you know how to kind of, um, you know, nip it in the bud when it comes. And so uh, these two strategies that I'm about to share is um, you, you can use them on the spot when you're actually feeling anxious about okay. something um, and you don't know what to do. And so... I love how you said earlier, because it ties to this, you said, get out of your head. Um, And that's exactly what I say. It's like, get out of your head and into your body. Because oftentimes anxiety is, it's our thoughts racing, right? It's ruminating about something. And, you know, there's a lot of fear um, going on there. And usually it's the worst case scenario that we're thinking about, right? It's it's never really like, you know, oh, this is going to be awesome. We're like, great, right? (laughs) Oh, all the time. Yeah. Right. And so, um, yeah, I like to say, you know, get out of your head and into your body and changing your awareness from your thoughts um, into your body. Um, a good strategy is breathing. Mm-hmm. And I and I know that a lot of people talk about, you know, breathing as a great strategy, but I like to give specific breathing ones. And so two breathing strategies that I like to share are something is something called box breathing um, and belly breathing. So for the first one, box breathing is basically um your so the the method is like this you inhale for four seconds you hold for four seconds you exhale for four seconds and then you hold for four seconds and while you're doing that you're basically um visualizing drawing a square so like inhale four seconds hold exhale Old. And I, you, you probably can't see this on the podcast. <laughs> I can see it. It's it visually, yeah. yeah, for on for Alicia. Right. Um, and so that basically takes a bit of concentration to do. Right. You're okay. using you're you're changing your awareness from your thoughts now into a visualization of a square, oh. um, while focusing on your breathing. And so that really helps takes you from your your thoughts into your your body. That's awesome. Um, and then the other one, yeah. And the other one, the belly breathing is. Um, I like to put one hand on my chest and the other hand on my belly. And usually when we're like panicking or, you know, we're doing like vigorous exercising, we tend to chest breathe, right? (sighs) Or we're hyperventilating or something. It's usually our chest that goes up and down, right? You're breathing from your chest. But when you concentrate and breathe into your belly and you actually physically see your belly rising, it's a different type of breath. It's a more calming type of breath and a lot more slower as well. And it, it does take concentration. Okay. So it really does change your awareness into your body. 
That's great. It's nice to have tangible tools, right, that you can actually hold with you and take because it's one thing to um, hypothetically know what to do. It's another thing to when you're in that moment and you're feeling anxious, which throughout our day, that's going to happen with all the pressures that are put upon us, especially in a North American society, right? It's good to be able to to hold those and, and use them, um, take them out of your back pocket kind of thing. Even from, you know, um, the collaborative side of things, being a naturopathic doctor, when you mentioned those breathing techniques, the first thing I thought of, well, then you're, you know, lowering your sympathetic nervous system and you're, you know, resting and digesting. So that, you know, it has that um, scientific aspect to it too, which is really interesting. Yeah. Well, that's Absolutely. amazing. Is there anything else that you kind of want to share right now while I still have you? Here? For sure. There's actually one more thing that I wanted to show you physically and I'll say it what it says out loud, but okay. it's this image that as soon as I look at it, it just instantly calms me down. And I've had this feedback as well from clients when I show them this too. And yeah. so I'll show it to you right here and I'll say out loud, I'll describe what it is. Okay. And it, don't take stuff so seriously. Remember, you are here. Wow. And it's a picture of basically the universe right. and an arrow <laughs> pointing down into like where Earth is, which yes. you can't even see on here because it's it's such a bird's eye view yeah. of just like we are so small compared to the wider universe. Right. And I think it just puts things into perspective when I'm like worried or anxious about something that's happening in my own personal life and obviously you know there's importance to it yeah. however you know sometimes it just helps to take a bird's eye view and just you know like a third person point of view of what you're struggling with and realize that you know what it'll pass yeah um you know there's there'll be another day and you know things will get better and so I like this because it puts things in perspective oh yeah that absolutely does because we get so stuck in our own little mini universe that we create. Yeah, it does give us that perspective back. Well, thank you so much. That was a really great conversation. I feel like I got to know you a little bit better. I got to know, I got to learn some strategies and I'm sure anyone listening here can, you know, attest to that too. And maybe um, I would suggest trying both of those uh, techniques that you mentioned because they're highly effective um, and also brings you back into what you mentioned, you know, back into your body and things like that. So um, yeah, I hope that gave a, a really good perspective about what you do and how you were trained and what to expect to, to come see you. And, and maybe there's one more question I would throw at you that um, you might not be prepared for, but something that I, a challenge that I, I get and, you know, before, before you leave here, what would you say to anyone that is hesitant to see a psychologist or come see you or feels like there's maybe some stigma around it? Like, how would you, how would you talk to that? For sure. Thank you so much for this question, because I do get a lot of clients who have who are um, accessing counseling services for the first time in their lives, whether they're in their 20s or in their 60s or 70s. Right. right. Um, so what I would say and what I have said to these, you know, these clients and for those who are thinking about it, but not really sure, um, I would say, you know what, um, I provide free phone consultations okay. uh, just to give you kind of an idea of, you know, how I might approach the problem that you're, you're dealing with. Um, and, you know, I, you know, we, we all can benefit from counseling in yes. our lives one way or another. Yes. You know, it, it's not like you, you should wait until the point where you're like in, in crisis before mm -hmm. you make that phone call. Okay. Um, yeah. And, because I think usually, you know, a lot of, especially like I work with couples too, okay. and a lot of couples that come and see me, you know, 
they are kind of, it's like a last ditch effort to make things work, right? Yeah. After they've kind of exhausted, you know, different, um, you know, different strategies and things like that, then they come see me. And at that point, it's like, it's, it's, it becomes like more challenging to work on some of these um, embedded issues, right? And yeah. so I would say, if you're thinking about it, yeah. make the phone call, and we can have a conversation. Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, I try my best not to, you know, be scary. And I even say, in my phone <laughs> you box, are the opposite of scary. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I've conveyed that in this. Yeah, in this absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I enjoy humor. Like for me, yeah. I think, you know, obviously, you know, there are serious, you know, issues that are right. happening right now, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to, to laugh together, of you course. know, yeah. um, you know, and, and kind of make light of the situation. And so, um, yeah, I would say just, just make the phone call and we can have a, a conversation and see where that goes. Okay. I love it. Thank you so much. It was you're awesome welcome. talking to you and hopefully one day we'll let, we will get to meet in person <laughs> okay. absolutely thank you so much for uh, having me on here You're i welcome. really appreciate it well, absolutely take care and we'll see you soon you as well take care thank you so much to everyone for listening until next time stay happy healthy and safe